Entering the game from Philly Press Box Radio, Bill Furman and Jim Chet Chesko. It's Wednesday, September 4th, 2019. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. Hey, Chet, it's great to be back in our Wednesday spot, but it was great to be live last Sunday at the Irish Rover Station House. Oh, man, that was so much fun, Bill. Brandon Lee Gowton was his usual awesome self. Nice crowd with some familiar faces, some new listeners, and we made people happy when they won Philly Press Box Radio T-shirts. A nice young lady won Philly's tickets and went and saw a win by the Fightins that next night with those free tickets. And a guy went home with an autographed Brian Dawkins jersey. So, yeah, fun day for sure. Winners everywhere, wouldn't you say? Yes, indeed. That was a great time. We had a good time. Hey, Chet, the Phil's... uh... They're still trying to hang around the wild card picture, playoff picture, you know. We'll talk a little more about that later, but it's opening weekend of the NFL, and everybody is talking E-A-G-L-E-S. <laughs> yeah, we keep writing the Phillies off, but as we speak, they're writing the three-game winning streak all of a sudden. They are seven games over five hundred for the first time since mid-June, believe it or not. And as you said, they're still hanging in the race. But, yeah, none of that matters this week, Bill, because – this is Eagles Week, the season opener, fast approaching, finally. Well, I'll tell you what, we've got it all covered tonight. We have three of our favorite guests, Hall of Famer Ray Dittiger, future Hall of Famer and voice of the Eagles, Merle Reese, and our fantasy football expert and Philly sports guru, Fred Hugo. They'll all be joining us tonight. Yeah, and we have so many questions uh, to talk with those great guys about because they know it all when it comes to the Eagles. And later in the show, you, Fred, and I will make our season predictions for the birds. Our listeners can then run to their nearest sports book and bet their life savings. No, please don't do that. Uh, first, though, we, we have perhaps the two most knowledgeable people in the Philly area regarding all things Eagles, as you said. We're talking about guys who have, what, a combined 100 years or so in the Philly sports business. So they certainly know what they're talking about. We're looking forward to that. We're going to have Ray on in just a couple of minutes, and we can't wait. Absolutely, and, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. I, I I know you've got some great questions lined up for Ray, uh, as do I, and, uh, I, you know, I think football has changed, and I, I'm kind of, uh, each year we see a little more of it, just like we are with baseball, and uh, I want to throw a couple of those things at Ray and see what he's got to say about it. Yeah, I'm sure he'll have some answers for us. Ray's been watching all the games. He's been as frustrated by uh, the preseason action or non-action as all of us have been. Uh, But we did see some good things over the course of the preseason. We still have a lot of questions because a lot of the guys haven't yet played a snap during the four preseason games. So why don't we get to Ray and see what he's got to say about all of it. Well, we've set the table up, and uh, let's welcome back hall of famer ray didinger to philly press box radio ray welcome how are you guys doing we are great i know this is a big week for you yeah oh man it's a big week for you ray uh we're great happy to have you back with us particularly as this is our eagle season preview show so let's get right to it the first question is with the birds starters playing very little or not at all in some cases during the preseason are we going to see some rust the first couple of regular season games do you think yeah, I think so. I mean, I'd like to think not, but uh, realistically, yeah, I would I would think so. Um, 
they've, I mean, they've gotten work in practice, and uh, they did work a lot the week that the Ravens were here. That that, that week that the Ravens were here for the uh, for the joint practices really, that was really the preseason for the for the starters. That was, I mean, they 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 worked. They got a good week of work in. So that was certainly the the most intense week of work that Wentz has gotten. Uh, and, but that's a kind of it. I mean, other than that, they've shut it down in the games. And uh, I don't know. I'm a little uh, – I understand the thinking. I mean, I understand uh, the concern about not getting anybody injured and getting to week one as healthy as you can be. I, can, I see the value in that. But I do I do worry a little bit about uh, how ready you're going to be uh, come Sunday. I mean, I just I just don't think this team's going to come flying out the tunnel like a like – a, 2019 Lamborghini you know I think it's going to come sputtering out like a 58 Dodge you know and uh, and it might it might take uh, might take a couple series before they get before they get themselves in track but I you know I don't think there's any real danger here I think they're they're still good enough that they'll they'll get past Washington and then with it with every week uh, they'll get better as they go along but the idea that they're going to come out ready to play the way an old Dick Vermeil team used to come out ready to play in, in 79-80. That's, um, the, the way preseasons are set up now, it just doesn't allow for that. Well, Ray, last March we thought the Phillies were going to score 8 to 10 runs a game all the time with the lineup they had. It didn't quite work out that way. Last year the Eagles averaged 23 points a game with so many weapons on offense, a pretty good core wide receivers, the two tight ends, four running backs who can play. Should we expect that number to be closer to 30 points a game this year? Yeah, I think that's realistic. I, I, um, I really do, especially if if the defense does a better job of forcing turnovers. I mean, la- that was one area last year where uh, defensively, the, I mean, they did some good things. They, the statistics are a little bit misleading in terms of where they ranked and yardage allowed, uh, but they were still one of the better teams in the league in terms of keeping point points down. Um, they were very good uh, on third down. They were very good in the red zone. Uh, but the one area that was a significant drop-off from the year before was their, their takeaways were way down. And so um, if, they can, if they can improve that, and I know that's something they've talked about a lot, and they're hoping if they're going to be able to increase that, uh, the number of forced turnovers and get some more short field opportunities, that'll help too. But as a, if you just look at this group of offensive players, you just look at the, the playmakers that you've put around Carson Wentz, uh, I, I think this. I think this is going to be a, a dynamic offense. I, I really do. I think they. I think they're going to. Seth Joyner has said that, that was the number that he used. I mean, Seth said he thinks this team will average right around 30 points a game, which is a ton. I mean, that's that's uh, that's really huge. Uh, and uh, I'm who am I to question Seth Joyner? I mean, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to do that. I mean, he. Um, I mean, last year he was. He was the only guy I know that last year before the season started picked them to go nine and seven. I mean, everybody else was saying that this team was going to win 11, 12 games. And, and Seth said, no, I think it's going to be more of a struggle than that. And he, he said 9-7, and seven, and he was right on the money. So uh, if, he, if he says that they're going to score around 30, if he thinks they're going to average 30 points a game, okay, I'm, I'm right there with him. <laughs> well, Ray, that leads me right into to my question. I, I get uh, chastised on this show a good bit because I'm an old dinosaur that still believes defense wins championships. Uh, does defense win championships anymore? If, if you look at all these weapons and you see Kansas City there loaded with weapons too, and you know, is it is it the team that scores the most points going to win now? Uh, I think it changes from year to year. Um, I mean, it's I mean, just all you have to do is look at the last two Super Bowls; they couldn't be more different. I mean, the, two years ago, the Eagles and the Patriots played a game where they put a, a combined 1,100 yards total offense, uh, and were scoring on every possession. There was one punt in the entire game. 
Uh, and then last year you had a game that was uh, nobody scored, you know, and uh, right. and it was all defense. So I mean, it, it swings back and forth, uh, but I, I still think that uh, that a really good defense, a really really good defense, uh, is I mean that will keep you that will keep you in the game every week. You know, I, offenses I think are harder to. Uh, are, are harder to, you know, really good offense is harder to sustain over 16 weeks. I mean, you're just going, they're going to be misfires. There's going to, the, the matters of execution are more challenging, I think, on offense. I mean, you're going to have drop balls. You're going to have, you know, lost exchanges. You're going to have guys that are going to, receivers are going to be open. A quarterback will hit them one week, but he'll miss them the next. Uh, and so offensive production, I think, can be up and down. Whereas a really good defense shows up and plays pretty much every week, and uh, and so for that reason, I have always been. I guess Bill, I'm probably a little bit with you in 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 the, in the idea of being a little bit of a dinosaur. That I think that I do think that defense still wins in the National Football League. I and uh, I think the Eagles' defense is not. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a top five defense. May not even be a top ten defense. But uh, I think it's going to be good enough when you combine it with the offense that they have now to uh, to have a really successful season. Well, Ray, I'm really optimistic about the D-line. You've got Brandon Graham back. Tim Jernigan is back. Uh, even Vinnie Curry is back in the fold. Deshaun Hall was a standout during the preseason. I think I heard Doug say that Fletcher Cox and Derek Barnett will be good to go on Sunday. That's a pretty good rotation they have on the D-line. It is. Um, I mean, that's that's assuming everybody's fine. I mean, it's, I mean I'll take yeah. Doug at his word. Uh, I mean, he's been saying all along that everybody's going to be ready to go in the bell ring, so I hope that's true. Uh, but it, it does concern me when I go to practice and, and I just see, you know, Fletcher Cox standing there with his arms folded, not doing anything. Um, and I see Derek Barnett hardly getting any work in the preseason. When you consider how important those two guys are and, and how valuable, you know, Derek Barnett is in terms of uh, getting you the big pass rush off that one side. I mean, that's, I mean, without Chris Long and without Michael Bennett now, um, I mean, they really need, Derek Barnett to step up and be play like a, a you know first round draft pick play like an impact player and be a double digit sack guy. I mean they really need that, and uh, he has done very little in the preseason. And I understand that I understand the recovery and I understand the medical reasons for doing it this way. But uh, um, I, I'd be less than honest if I didn't say I'm a little bit concerned about just how ready these guys are to play. It's uh, uh, the coach keeps telling us everything's fine and. Certainly, his most recent report to the media about uh, you know the Brandon Brooks and you know Fletcher Cox and all these guys are going to be ready to go. Well, that's that's great news, uh, but I hope that's true. I just um, it just it just bothered me every time I was at practice and I saw these guys just standing around not doing anything. I just and I know Seth Joyner has often said you know, there's only one way to prepare to play football and that's to play football. So uh, it's been it's it's been a pretty idle summer for a lot of really key players and we'll see you know if that takes any kind of a toll on them when they start the season on Sunday. Well, jumping over to the offensive line side, my favorite side, uh, you know, some coming off of some injuries over there. I get a little concerned when I look at Dillard, Pryor, Herbert, Vitae, and Malata as the backups. As we know, this is a marathon and not a sprint, and guys are going to go down. Do they have enough depth on that offensive line side? They seem to think so. Um, I mean, I was a little – I can't say surprised because I kind of saw it coming, but I, 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 it bothered me a little bit when I saw them let Wisniewski go because I, you know, I like having a veteran player there in a backup role. Uh, a guy that's played a couple different positions, a guy that's played in big games. Um, I, I I just think there's real value in that. When they when they brought when they made the decision to bring him back, I thought that was a good move. 
And even though he wasn't going to be in the starting lineup, I liked his versatility and I liked his experience as 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 your number one guy off the bench. But it's been apparent for a couple of years now the coaches, whatever for whatever reason, they're not thrilled with the guy. And uh, so when they started talking up all these other young linemen, I kind of had a feeling that Wiz's days were numbered, and sure they were. But now you've got a bunch of backups that are, I mean, they're all pups. I mean, they really they really are now. I think Dillard uh, has shown this preseason that that he's he's good to go. I mean he uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of experience, but boy, he's got a world of ability. And uh, I think that if you're talking about the left tackle position, if anything happens with Jason Peters, I think you're much better fortified there with D- Dillard coming off the bench than you are some of the other guys you've had in other years. Um, so I think that's good. Some of the other guys, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, I'm, you know, prior to me hasn't shown me much. Um, uh, Mylotta has, you know, certainly improved dramatically since he got here, but now he's got the back injury and we don't know, you know, when he's going to be ready to play. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's concern there. If they, if they have some injuries on the offensive line, I mean, there's, there's some concern, but you could say that for just about any team in the league right now. There's uh there just isn't much depth in uh, on, along, the, especially on the offensive line now. Not like it used to be. I mean, it used to be that some of the really good teams, you had five good starters, and then you had a couple of really savvy veterans behind them. That if anything happened, you could plug them right in and keep on rolling. I mean, Joe Gibbs. I mean, my goodness, you look at those Redskin teams back in the in the '80s. I mean, they had they had guys on they had guys on the bench that could have started for most other teams and it served them well it's one of the reasons why they won three super bowls but that's not the the way of the NFL now with salary caps and being what they are that you can't afford to have those kinds of guys on the bench so everybody's you know everybody you got five starters and you just cross your fingers you can get those guys through 16 weeks Hey, Ray, Wendell Smallwood and Trayvon Hester were Eagles five days ago. They were cut and quickly signed by the Redskins. How much will they help Washington prepare for the Eagles this uh, Sunday? Uh, I, I don't think a whole lot. Uh, there's With the way scouting is now, um, I mean, there's just – yeah, there's everybody pretty much knows what everybody else is doing. Um I, I, you know, they can give them a couple of little things, but I don't think it's it's what it's what it used to be. I mean, the scouting, the everything that's on tape and everything is so broken down now with uh, with the tendencies and the and the charts that they put together that um, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of, of an advantage to be gained there. Um, I, I know that, that that used to be a factor, and I know Doug was asked about it this week, and Doug sort of indicated, yeah, you know, there there's certain things that can be uh, that that they can. There's certain intel that they can pass along in certain situations. Um, I mean, in terms of, I mean, they can tell them like what audible calls and things that the line of scrimmage that the quarterback shouts out, what that's telling you. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's there. But the Eagles are smart enough to know that, okay, well, we got to change all that this week because, you know, if Wendell's going to tell them what all of our audible calls are at the line of scrimmage, we're certainly not going to go in with that. I mean, so whatever those kinds of things that that would that you could really steal, uh, and pass along to your team. The Eagles have have a whole week now to change up on that, and I'm sure they will. Hey, Ray, looking at the landscape in the NFC East, the Cowboys, um, they got Elliott back, paid him way, way too much money or a lot of money. Uh, the Giants, I guess, are going to have a little different look. The Redskins are probably much the same. Who's the king of the NFC East? I think it's the Eagles. I think they're the best team. Um, and, uh, and, and, they, and they seem to be um, – they seem to be really focused. They seem to be, I, last year the uh, the Super Bowl hangover was it, it was it was more 
surreal than I imagined it to be. I I, I thought that uh, you know I had it was the first time I ever saw it up close and personal. You know I, I I'd always heard about the Super Bowl hangover, but it never applied here in Philadelphia because they had never won one. Um, this was the last year was the first time I ever actually be, I actually saw it. It's more real than I thought it was. I mean, and, I, and they this team definitely fought it through the off season, uh, into the beginning part of the regular season. Uh, I, I think it really weighed them down. And uh, it wasn't until the second half of the year uh, when they they finally managed to break out of it. And once they broke out of it, then you saw down the stretch they resembled the team that they were the year before. But the first part of that year was. Uh, was a struggle for them. It was a struggle for them physically because they had a lot of injuries, but it was also a struggle for them, I think, mentally and emotionally. Uh, and it took them a better part of a, a half of a season to kind of work their way through that. Well, and not, that's not going to be a problem this year. I mean, this team is very motivated, and uh, they've got a really good roster. I mean, top to bottom, I think it's a really good roster. And so if they, you know, if they can stay healthy at all, uh, I mean, I think they're the best team in the division. I think the, I think the Cowboys are good. I think the Cowboys are good enough to be a double-digit win team and get to the playoffs. Uh, and the Giants and the Redskins are, to me, they're 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 up the track a ways. I, um, I I just don't think the Redskins have much offense. Their defense isn't bad. Their defense is their front seven's pretty decent on defense, I think. But uh, they're offensively, I think they're going to struggle to score points. And you know, the Giants, I think, may be a little better than people think because their offensive line is much better than it was. I mean, I saw them this preseason, and their offensive line is pretty good. Um, bringing in Kevin Zeitner to play guard. I mean, nobody knows who he is because he spent his whole career in Cleveland and Cincinnati, but he's really a good player. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and Hernandez, the young guard, has really come along. So their offensive line looks much better this year. So, I mean, that'll give Eli a little help. And it, and I think Saquon Barkley is, I mean, he's a beast of a running back. So yeah. I, th- I think, you know, people are saying the Giants, you know, there's times heard people saying three wins, four wins. I think they may be a little better than people think, but I don't think they represent any real threat to the Eagles or the Cowboys. So, Ray, you do have the Eagles winning the NFC East. You, I heard you on WIP today. You said they're going to go 11-5. and five. That's what you have uh, them going anyway. Who are the three best teams in the National Football Conference in order? I would say – I might say the Saints. Put the Eagles – put the Eagles two. And – I'm really in a minority on this one, but I, I I might put the Seahawks third. I think the Seahawks are better. A lot a lot of people are counting out the Seahawks, uh, and I'm not. Um, I think I, I really like their quarterback, and uh, yeah. uh, they've, I mean they've done some things this off season uh, to 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 shore up some areas where they needed some help. I think the addition of Clowney really is going to help them. I mean he may only be a one year. He may only be a one-year Seahawk, but knowing him, if he's playing on a contract year, I think he's going to really play well. I think they're a bit of a dark horse, uh, and, and I think it kind of helps them a little bit. That Nobody's picking them to win, no, go to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl. They're kind of, you know, the fancy, you know, the, the, the sexy team out west is now the Rams. Uh, and so I think Pete Carroll and, and the guys in Seattle can kind of, they can kind of fly under the radar for a little bit, which isn't the worst thing. Uh, I have a feeling that the Seahawks are going to be. I, I I pick them to win the West. I, not, hardly anybody else is doing that, but I I think that I think that they will. Um, the other team that I I think is going to have a bounce back year. I'm not. <clears throat> there aren't a whole lot of people that are with me on this one, but I I really like the Falcons. I think that they're I think they're going to be good. Um, they've the offensive line they needed to be shored up. It is. I think the defense are getting some guys really good defensive players who were hurt last year. They're back healthy now. And, 
you know, and as long as you got uh, Matt Ryan and, and Julio Jones, I mean, you're going to score points. So I, I think the uh, I think the Falcons are going to be a team that's going to bounce back, and I I, I see them. I don't know if they're going to overtake the Saints. I think that's going to be a, a real race in that division between those two. But I, I definitely think both of those teams will be in the postseason mix. Okay. Hey Ray, you mentioned the Saints, and and I was going to mention that too. Uh, the NFL changed the rule, uh, the ruling or the ability to rule, I guess you might call it, uh, based on what happened to the Saints in the playoffs. Uh, how do you like that? Is it, you know, basically the way I understand it, the referees now have the ability to assume there was going to be a penalty or something like that. No. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be a mess. I, I really do. I, I knew it was coming. I mean, we all knew after the uh, after what happened in the Saints Rams game that they, I mean, that was such an egregious miss uh, with such devastating results. I mean, the Saints should have been in a Super Bowl. Simple as that. Yep. Uh, sure. uh, and it's, I mean, it's it really it's as simple as that. I mean, it's the Saints should have been the NFC representative in the Super Bowl, and because of that blown call, they weren't. Uh, well, that's pretty devastating. You know, and and when something like that happens and millions of people see it, um, the league couldn't just sit there and say, "Oh well, those are the breaks." <laughs> no, you, you know, you can't you can't do that. I mean, they called for a pretty dramatic action, and that's what we got. I I just don't know in terms of the week to week application of it that it's uh, it's going to be um, the panacea that everybody thinks it's going to be. I, I think it's going to be pretty messy in its application. Uh, I do think it's going to slow games down. Um, I think it's going to cause a lot of uncertainty on the parts of the players and the co- and the officials. The officials aren't going to know how to apply it. The coaches aren't necessarily going to know how to use it. Uh, and from working at NFL Films for as long as I did and looking at a lot of film footage, I can tell you that the camera doesn't always tell you the truth. The camera can lie. Uh, I mean, I've seen a lot of plays that I've seen from one angle that look one way and look from another angle and they look totally different, you know? So I don't think it's as simple as saying that you can look at one, at one picture and say, okay, that's, yeah, we got it right. Okay. Really? You want to look at the other side? I can tell you, maybe you got it wrong. Um, it's, uh, it's going to be, I think it's I think it's going to, I think it's just going to cause more controversy. I really do. I don't think it's going to, the idea was to try and create this to, to eliminate controversy and clarify things. And I have a feeling that it's, it's liable to do just the opposite. It might, it might, if, if it brings a better sort of justice to the league and, and really egregious calls like the one in the championship game can be corrected, okay, I guess that really is the greater good. But I'm telling you, week in and week out, uh, you know, w- watching the officials and the coaches and the players try to work their way through this, I think it's going to be – the thing that I really it bothers me about this, and I, don't, I think it's almost unavoidable, is – Every Monday now, in every office and in every around every water cooler, you know people aren't going to be talking about the the great games, the great runs, the great pass. They're going to be talking about. Did you see that call? You know, and that's mm-hmm. when, when you know when when that's what when that's the Monday conversation when all anybody's talking about is a replay and and, a, and why didn't they challenge or they should have challenged. If that's really what we're talking about, then I think we're getting away from the things that make the sport really enjoyable. Okay, Ray, you're going to go out to dinner with your wife, I believe. I have one final question for you, though. The NFL 100th season, um, they're going to induct, I guess, 20 next year into the Hall of Fame. Will that include Harold Carmichael or Seth Joyner or Eric Allen? Hope so. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't exactly know how they're doing it. I think part of it is uh, the idea is um, they're, they're going to expand. I think they're going to try and take in more old, old-timers. 
I, I think that part of the idea of doing this in the year of the 100th anniversary is to really go way back and, uh, and, and take in a lot of, you know, really, um, I mean, pre, you know, I mean, pre-Super Bowl, pre-TV guys that, uh, that have been overlooked. Uh, and they'll be, I, th- I think the modern era guys will, uh, I don't know if there's going to be a greater representation of those. I think there's going to be the, the real point of emphasis here is to go back and, and find some of the, the, lost, the lost players of the 30s, 40s, and maybe the early 50s. So, yeah, I think everybody looks at, at, a, at a class of 20 people and they say, wow, here's a chance to get, you know, uh, you know all the guys that you mentioned, Carmichael and you know Redslaff and Jorner and and Allen and I, look, I believe all those guys belong. I definitely do. But I, I think there's going to be. I think what the league's trying to accomplish here, or the Hall of Fame, I mean, is trying to accomplish, is is going back deeper in time and picking up some of the guys that really, really have have been forgotten. Uh, but listen, the guys you mentioned are absolutely worthy of it, and uh, you know I hope that at least at least one of them. I hope at least one of them gets on the ballot this year, and then we'll go from yeah. there. Because you know the Eagles have been around since 1933, and if you look at how many of them are in the Hall of Fame right now, I, I think this franchise is underrepresented. I, I, I really do. And uh, there's a half a dozen guys that we could just name off the top of our head now that to me are absolutely should have their bus in Canton. So if we can get one or maybe two of those guys in next year, I think it's a really good thing. Now I'm with you. Maybe Al Wistard and Maxie Bond's names will pop off. What do you think? Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, those are two good ones. I mean, somebody sent me a letter a couple of weeks ago uh, making the case for Maxie Bond, and it's it's really true. I mean, he got put in the Eagles Hall of Fame a couple of years ago. He went in with Brian Westbrook, and uh, and I remember talking to Brian Westbrook on the field before the game, and he said, you know, I I never heard of Maxie Bond, but I looked up his career. He said, how is he not in in in, the, in Canton? And I said, good. Yeah. I said, good point. I mean, you know, Maxie, I think Maxie made nine Pro Bowls. Uh, and, uh, you know, and George Allen, you know, has, has often said that he thinks that Maxie was the smartest defensive player, uh, he ever coached. And, uh, you know, he was the only rookie that started for the, uh, for the 60 Eagles championship team. I mean, he had a great career. Um, and he's one of those guys that's just been overlooked. And, you know, Al Wistard, who was the captain of the back-to-back world championship teams, 48, 49, played nine seasons and was first team all pro eight times. Uh, I mean, he should, he should certainly be in, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of names, a lot of names from this team should be on the wall in Canton, and I hope that uh, we all live long enough to see them there. Fantastic. Well, Randy, as Chet said, uh, you have a dinner date, so we appreciate you coming by, taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us. As always, uh, great to have you. Hey, it's always a pleasure talking to you guys. Have a great night. All Thanks, right. Ray. Thanks, Ray. All right, take care, Chet. Bye, bye. Let's take a break to talk about the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. And what a great time Philly Press Box Radio had doing another live on location show there a week and a half back. So much fun and a nice crowd there to join us. Anyway, if you don't already know, the Irish Rover has a terrific variety of food and drink with lots of specials every day and always 24 beers on tap. They have trivia every Wednesday evening, a DJ every Friday night, and, oh, I will almost certainly be making a visit there on Tuesday the 17th for the Rovers' halfway to St. Paddy's Day bash. Irish fare plus Guinness and Jameson specials all day and all evening. The Irish Rover is on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn, and, of course, they'll have the Eagles game on their many TVs this Sunday. Hey, Chad, you can't see what you talk about with Ray Diddy and everything he brings to the Eagles conversation, but you almost 
might have topped that, and I can't wait to hear it because you had a chance to sit down with that Merle Reese. <laughs> Merrill Reese, who just turned 77 on Monday, believe it or not. He spent part of his birthday weekend talking to me, so I do appreciate that. And uh, this is the fifth straight year we've talked to Merrill, so that's pretty awesome. Uh, he's great, and uh, shall we get right into the interview? What do you think? Let's go. I can't wait to hear it. I'm sorry we couldn't have him live, but I want to hear what he got to say. Let's do it. It's become an annual tradition here at Philly Press Box Radio, an early September chat with the radio voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, Merrill Reese. Welcome back, Merrill. Thank you, Jim. Happy to be with you. Hey, Merrill, I know you look forward to every season. You've been doing this for 43 years now, but with preseason football getting to be less and less watchable, I'm guessing you're really ready for some games that matter. I am. I am. And I keep thinking this season, this preseason, was even to a greater extent less filled with regular players than any I can ever remember. I mean, hardly any of the starters played for any length of time. And I'm not even talking about the third game where they used to play and call it the dress rehearsal. That's not a dress rehearsal anymore. It's just a, another preseason game with a couple of guys like Malcolm Jenkins and Jason Kelsey playing for a few snaps because they wanted to get their uniforms dirty and feel what the pounding, I think, uh, uh, was like. Maybe Rodney McLeod, who's coming off an injury, ran around a little bit. But basically, it's just backups. And then the fourth preseason game was not only the backups, it's the backups' backups. So that's what it's all come down to. And yet, I don't know what the solution is, but I know they can't keep doing it this way. And I've heard people talk about, well, let's have two preseason games and go to 18 regular season games. Jim, I don't believe the human body can take that kind of pounding for 18 games. I'm with you. Now, assuming good health, what are you expecting from Carson Wentz here in his fourth season as a pro? His best. And he is very healthy going into the season. He looks great. He's enthusiastic. He's a great talent. I think he's in for a big season. He's going to be operating behind a marvelous offensive line and with more weapons than he's ever had. Merrill, I remember last year when we talked right before the season how excited you were about the tight end combo of Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. Ertz, of course, had a record-breaking season. Is it possible those two guys will be even more deadly this year? Well, not only will they be more deadly, but they will be more open because of the addition of Deshaun Jackson and what he does to the field and one other guy, and that is J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. You put the three of them in the end zone or any place in the red zone, I don't know how many people have that. How can you cover big, tough receivers like Ertz, Goddard, and Whiteside? Well, Merrill, you mentioned Deshaun, and I can't help but think back to December 2010, a late-season game, very late in that game, up in the Meadowlands. You know the play. Matt Dodds the punt. It's a knuckler. Jackson takes it at the 35. Picks it up. Looks for running room. He's at the 40. He's at the 45. Midfield. I know that two of your favorite players of the last decade are Deshaun Jackson and Darren Sproles. Are you ready to again call some big plays involving D. Jackson, Mighty Mouse? Hope so. I, I sure hope so. I, I sure anticipate that. Uh, more ready to do it for Deshaun Jackson than I am for Darren Sproles, who I love. But we have not seen Darren step on a field this 
uh, summer yeah. uh, during a game. Of course, he's he's done a little stuff in training camp, but even there, his involvement has been very, very uh, slim and very, very uh, sparse. So I love Darren Sproles, but I can't wait to see what the 2019 edition of Darren Sproles is. Don't forget, he's uh, he's in his mid-30s now, and I don't know how you can keep going with the injuries he's had at that age. I'm a Penn State alum, Merrill, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how big a part of the offense Miles Sanders is as a rookie. What have you seen from Sanders over the summer? Well, I have seen enough to believe that he's special, and I hate to go overboard, but I've been talking to a lot of people, and some of them on the coaching staff, and one in particular who is the running backs coach by the name of Deuce Staley, who doesn't go overboard, but who will tell you if you really have that conversation with him that this is the most talented running back, Miles Sanders, that the Eagles have had since LaShawn Shady McCoy. Wow. This is the most gifted running back that they have had. Now, how it plays out remains to be seen, but the talent is there. I know some key guys on defense, Fletcher Cox, Derek Barnett, and Nigel Bradham in particular, spent the entire preseason recovering from injuries. Assuming they're back at 100% real soon, how good will Jim Schwartz's defense be this year? Should be very, very good. I'm not worried about the uh, fact of the matter that they're thin at the linebacker position because they rarely play more than two linebackers at a at a time. And you had a couple of good new additions, and L.J. Fort came in and he looked good, and Zach Brown looks like a guy who can really play. And there's others that are good too. And they will be getting Kamugrushe Hill, who will be on the field a lot back in a couple of weeks. So Bradham, I don't know when Bradham's coming back. Hopefully it's for the opener, but. Uh, I'm not sure about that. So that's the one area that is a little thin, but I'm not overly concerned. The defense is talented. Again, I can't sit here and tell you who the corners are going to be on opening day. You would think it'll be Darby and Sidney Jones. But again, uh, Darby is coming off of an injury, and Jalen Mills isn't ready to go yet. Avante Maddox, I believe, will be a slot guy. Corvon LeBlanc, who played well when they picked him up last year, he's not ready yet. They're going to be better, I think, in November than they are in September. I know you were a big Sidney Jones fan, so hopefully he will have a great year. Uh, You're always an optimistic guy, Merrill, regarding the Eagles. But aside from injuries, what's your biggest concern about this year's Birds team as we get set to kick it all off? Just that they they stay focused and they treat every single game like it's the Super Bowl. That's what you have to do. You can't assume anything. You can't go in and look at the opening game and say, well, we should kill the Redskins. Well, the Redskins are coming in, and they want to get their season off to a big start, too. And the regulars haven't played. That's why, Jim, there are more upsets in the opening game than in any other game of the season. So you've got to treat every team that you face and just pretend they're the New England Patriots. Oh, a few years ago, Merrill, I asked what your favorite visiting stadium was, and you, of course, at Lambeau Field. You'll be back there again week four this season, a Thursday night game. What makes that place so special? It's history. It's aura. The fact that they have been able to modernize that stadium and put in the super boxes and yet maintain the original character of the place where Vince Lombardi once prowled the sidelines, and you could see the condensation coming out of the player's mouth, and you could still hear John Facenda in the back of your head talking about the frozen tundra of Green Bay, Wisconsin, of Lambeau Field, the history, that more than anything else. And, of course, the town folk gathered around the stadium, that small-town feeling as you drive up and you see cars parked on the, the lots of houses and the people barbecuing and roasting brats and the friendship you feel from the fans. I mean, it's a nice place to see a game because you know they're not going to give you a tough time.
Uh, let yeah. me just add to that, Jim. Of course, the players will. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Merrill, are you keeping your calendar clear for late January, early February for a possible trip to Miami? Well, my calendar is always clear through the Super Bowl. However, the Super Bowl is the farthest thing from my mind right now. The only thing in my focus is September 8th, Washington Redskins, and after that, I'll start thinking about Atlanta. You're the best, Merrill. Thanks for doing this for a fifth straight season here on the Philly Press Box Radio. Always great to get your insight. Go Birds. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. That is, that is gold right there coming from Merrill. It's great stuff. <laughs> yeah, Merrill's awesome, and uh, I love hearing him talking about going to Green Bay. I love hearing how he's not thinking about the Super Bowl, just focused one week at a time like all the players should be. Always good to talk to Merrill. He's great. Absolutely, and, and you know, the thing I like about Merrill every year, he's just as excited this year as he was last year as he was the year before. Every year that we talk to him, uh, you know, I guess like spring training in baseball, everybody's oh and oh and uh, full optimism. Yeah, he's one of these guys who's going to do this till he's dead. Uh, he's he's never going to retire. He'll be doing this when he's, you know, 85 as long as he can still do it and the Eagles will still want him, I'm sure. So, uh great to keep Merrill around. 77 years old as of Monday and he's still got it. He's a prize, that's for sure. Well, hey, Chad, if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we've got a spot for you. All state insurance in Westchester, PA. Yeah, absolutely, Bill. One of the best benefits of having an Allstate insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs. Someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what is most important to you and your family. Call Dave today at 610-430-0700. It's Dave Lavoie at Allstate in Westchester, 610-430-0700. And, Bill, I think you know I'm a big Queen fan, and the late, great Freddie Mercury would have been 73 tomorrow. Seventy-three, you, you know, a Queen fan? Oh yeah, absolutely. They're all getting older, and we're not. I, I, yeah. I can't figure it out. Well, Freddie's been dead though since uh, the early '90s, so I wish he would have, you know, stuck around and still been with us. But oh well, we still have the music. And uh, I don't know if you saw the movie, but if you get a chance, make sure you see Bohemian Rhapsody. It's available now on cable and DVD. So check it out. The story of Freddie and Queen. I did not. Uh get to see it, but I'll check it out. Hey, Chet, uh, we're going to talk with Fred here in just a few minutes, but uh, hey, I wanted to throw a second in there about the Phillies. Uh, what do you think about maybe Reese Hoskins is starting to heat up a little bit? Maybe Charlie uh, has got him straightened out or for whatever reason. Uh, Bryce Harper is now a 30 and 100 guy. They got a chance? What do you think? Two and a half games out, Cubs aren't losing, Phillies are winning. No, they don't have a chance. <laughs> I know they're only two and a half out. They win tonight with Nola on the mound. They're still they're only two games out. I know that, but I just don't have faith in the pitching. Plus the fact I don't know if you've seen their schedule, but they got a brutal schedule. I mean, after the Mets this weekend, they have seven games against Atlanta. They have two against Boston, who will be looking for revenge because the Phillies swept them up there at Fenway. And they have a five-game series at Washington, and that's immediately after a three-game set in Cleveland. So they have a real tough schedule down the stretch. And even if they do stay in until the final weekend, they play the Miami Marlins, and for whatever reason, they can't (laughs) seem to handle the Marlins. So 
no, I don't have faith. I hope to hell I'm wrong, but I don't see it happening, Bill. Uh, I hope you are too, but uh, I'll tell you what, it's fun watching uh, Hoskins get a little warmed up a little bit, and it's fun watching Harper play. I'll tell you what, anybody that, uh, I, you know, forget the money aside, because that's just a lot of money for us regular people to fathom, that the kid comes to play every single night. Yeah, and it'd be nice if, you know, he and Hoskins and JT are all hot at the same time, which looks like it might be happening right now. So, you know, if that is the case, maybe they'll surprise us. I don't know. But speaking of surprises, let's talk to this guy. There it is. It's the start of a new season, which means the start of new fantasy football. And we've got Fred Hugo in his music back to Breaktown week one of the season. Fred, welcome back. What's up, guys? Hey, Fred. Okay. Hey, Fred, right off the bat, i got to ask you something. For fantasy players, is week one something of a crapshoot? Because you don't know, you know who's really going to play a lot. Uh, is it something of a crapshoot week one? It's a crapshoot as far as, you know, finding like a sleeper guy or like a like a matchup that you love because you really don't know well who's a good defense who's bad who's who's really is good or not so you you kind of base it off of who's consistently been good over the last five years and I would say roll with them players don't even blink an eye there mm-hmm. hey hey Fred when I used to play fantasy football back when the whole thing kind of first got started we never did our draft until after the last cut for me um a lot of leagues do that different now. So with with the whole Andrew Luck deal, uh, a lot of drafts were already done, and if there's limits on how many guys you can pick up, that's really a big deal. I agree with you, and, and that's why every league I am, I'm in, we didn't really draft till this past week, like middle of last this week. It was last weekend, not like last week, I guess you would say, in between last Monday and, and Labor Day is when our – all my drafts went through because I I really won't get in a league or stay in the league if they're going to have to draft that early because to your point injuries happen you know anything can happen and if you draft a you know say you drafted LaShawn McCoy you know he got cut on um, whatever day that was you're like oh I don't have a running back and then he signs with the Chiefs now that he's the number one back possibly so you you don't know I agree Hey, Fred, how many leagues are you in this year? And do you also do those, like, one-week things, the FanDuel one-week things also? I am in, what am I in, five this year? <laughs> wow. I'm in some free ones, too. I, I, try, <laughs> I, <laughs> I love it, though. I, I love it. I can't – I, I, get, I get up on Sunday morning and do my start one, sit one, but I look at all the matchups, watch all the stuff. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in – it's fun. You know what I mean? It's more – more of a hobby, if anything. They're definitely a hobby, and then there's some leagues that actually I'm, I'm getting mad if I win or lose. And as far as the uh, the fan duel goes, or there's one – I do that sometimes. I don't really get into that as much because everyone can just pick the best players. You know what I mean? So right, right. There is a sh- strategy to it because if, if you all have the same players, you're going to have the same score. You know what I mean? So you want to find a guy that's like a, a diamond in the rough type so that you beat the other people, but – you know, it's, I don't know. I'm more into the strategy of building a team for the whole season. Gotcha. Hey, Fred, I think we talked some about this last year, but I'm, I'm curious again, that are these leagues mostly built around quarterbacks or, uh, or you know, the running back seems to have lost some of its luster. So where, where do the points get scored? 
it's kind of it's kind of going these. It's more the the running backs as far as like the pro game, I guess would say lost their lost their. But as far as drafts, they're coming at a premium because you can't. There's not a lot of them. You know what I mean? Quarterbacks, though they score a lot more points, aren't that far off from each other. So if you have a Patrick Mahomes that's averaging, let's say, 30 points a game, which which he's kind of rewriting the the script on it. To be honest with you, it, it, he he's separating himself from the pack at least last year and even went to a point that won MVP year. But if you got a quarterback, let's say that's averaging 30 points a game, but you can grab one off the waiver wire facing a bad defense that's going to get 25 that week. You know what I mean? The five point difference isn't that, that significant. Um, it, it could be one week, but it's not that significant where with the running backs, you only have, 32 starting running backs and out of that 32 how many are actually good so there's probably 10 15 backs that are you know one or two so you really want to get a back if you can that that that's really the most important then I would say second would be wide receiver and then you can debate I guess tight end depending on if they have you know you get a good tight end that's putting up wide receiver stats like a Travis Kelsey or Zach Ertz that's almost like having an extra receiver but the quarterback spot they're definitely it's definitely important point wise, but it's not as significant. All right, Fred, the floor is yours for two minutes. Give everyone some advice regarding week one. Week one, like I said, it's it's kind of a or like you said, really, it's kind of a crapshoot. I, I kinda just base it off last year, I guess, and defenses the way they were. If I was gonna pick sleepers, we all have you know your your general stars, but I like um Garoppolo and Foles. Garoppolo's going up against a Buccaneers defense that I don't really know that they improved much. And then the Chiefs defense improved, but it's on paper right now. I know they got spags, but I'm going to roll with Foles against the Chiefs. You want to go to the running back spot. Mark Ingram against the Dolphins. He's the number one now for the Ravens. They do run a committee there, but I, I could see Ingram scoring. And then I also like Philip Lindsay against the Raiders. No one likes Philip Lindsay anymore. He, he killed it last year. I, I don't see why everyone has him so far down on their charts, but I like him. Uh, Receiver-wise, like D.J. Moore of the Carolina Panthers against the Rams. And then Allen Robinson against the Packers. The Packers haven't had a really good pass defense in in years. He's the number one in Chicago. Uh, I would roll with Allen Robinson if you have him. And then tight end-wise, like Noah Fant, number one pick um, out of Iowa for the Broncos against the Raiders. And then Mark Andrews, the tight end for the Ravens against the Dolphins. Um, I don't really think uh, they say Lamar Jackson has improved, but I don't really think he's a down throw the ball down the field guy. So the throws they are going to do, it looks like it's a run based offense. The throws they are going to make, I can see going to the tight end. So that's why I like Mark Andrews. And then defensively, I'm going to take the Eagles defense just because Case Keenum isn't really that good. So I could see possible turnovers there. And um, kicker, I, I don't even get into kicker anymore. I just let that one go because it's, it's, it, that's, that's a real crapshoot. You have no idea there. <laughs> all and right. that's it for this. All right, man. Well, hey, uh, good stuff. We'll see how this all plays out. I'm a little, I'm a little interested to see how your polls against the Chiefs turns out. Um, the, the polls is going to be fun to watch down there in Jacksonville. Yeah, he's got a, got a running game. He's got the flip-o. And then, and then that D.D. Westbrook, I should have said him, too, for receiver. He he should have a year now that he has a quarterback that can, can get him the ball. Interesting. We'll keep an eye on it. Hey, it's time for the NFC, this week's NFC East picks. Uh, we'll follow that up with our 
Eagles season predictions, and uh, we won't talk about who the reigning champion is in this, Fred, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got Giants at Dallas, Dallas minus seven. Redskins at the Eagles, Eagles minus nine and a half. We kept it to just two games this week since it is opening week, and who the heck really knows what's going to happen. So, Fred, Giants at Cowboys, Cowboys minus seven. Seven-point spread, it's kind of hard to, to go against that, but I'm going to. Week one, I'm going to take the Giants. Um, I think Dallas isn't doesn't got it all together there. I think with the signing of Ezekiel, Ezekiel now, he's coming in. I don't feel like he could just jump right in. I think they are more the team they were in the beginning to three quarters of last year than they were towards the end. And um, I don't think the Giants are going to be as bad as we all think. They're not going to be good or anything. I'm not saying they're going to win a division or compete, but I I think they're going to beat Dallas this weekend. Wow. So, to be clear, we are just picking the games straight up. Uh, Even though we give the spreads, we're picking the games straight up, right? Okay. And Fred's going with the Giants. Well, I can't do that. Um, I think Zeke will be in the lineup. He will play. And the game is in Dallas. I know the Cowboys haven't always been great at home, but too much talent against the Giants. i got to go with Dallas in uh, week one. Well, I'm going to have to go with Dallas, too. Um, not that it has anything to do with Elliott. I just think Dallas, the other guys, are better than the Giants. So uh, I'm going to go Cowboys on that one also. Mm-hmm. Which gets us to the Eagles. And the Redskins, nine-and-a-half-point favorites, the Birds. That's a lot of points if you're betting on the lines. Yeah, that, I think they're the, hot, the highest for uh, for the week, at least second high, so. something like that. But, yeah, I'm going to take the Eagles here. I think it will be closer than we think. Basically, Wentz and the whole team hasn't played. This is their first game playing. They didn't play any preseason, uh, any preseason really. So, I think the, the Redskins might cover – and scare us a little, but I think the Eagles come out on top. Yeah, I'm taking the yeah. Birds. 27-17. Uh, I don't think they're going to get to 30. Uh, I think they're going to be a little sluggish in the first half and then break it open. Redskins will hang around, make it you know reasonably close, but I'm taking the Eagles by 10, so they would cover under this that scenario. 27-17, Eagles. And I'm going, I think they're going to get the points. I'm going to go 31-13. Wow. Eagles. I think there's a chance this could be a bit of a blowout, but All you right. never know. Um, that's Can't where wait. I'm going. So that brings us to our our season Eagles prediction. So Fred, you're up. Where are they going to finish the regular season? Are they going to make the playoffs? Ah, uh, we're going to have a fun year. We are going to have a fun year, boys. Thirteen and three. The number one seed. The number one seed. And uh, how about into the playoffs? Uh, You've seen a Super Bowl run? I definitely see a Super Bowl run. I I mean, I'm I'm confident. I mean, it's hard. I mean, you can't just guarantee that. There's a lot of other good teams in the league, but I think they're going to be in position to to get to the Super Bowl. My pick for the Super Bowl would would be them um, to get there from the NFC. I'm not sure if I got a, a winner yet. Okay. All right. I've been saying this for about a month. I'm going to stick with it. I mentioned it when we had uh, Brandon with us over at the Irish Rover. I'm saying the Eagles go 11-5, and win the division. I don't know where they'll be seated, but they will get to the Super Bowl where anything can happen. Uh, gun to my head right now, I'm going to say Eagles meet up with Andy Reid's Chiefs in Miami in Super Bowl 54 where 
who knows what will happen. But Eagles, Chiefs in the Super Bowl, the birds go 11-5 and in the regular season. Well, I am going to go 11-5 and also, Chet. I hate to do that, but uh, especially since you did it. But I think they got some rough, rough uh, road games with Atlanta, Green Bay. Of course, they got to go to Dallas and, and the NFC East. Uh, there's some tough games there. But uh, I'm going to go 11-5. I think this is a good team. I think they will be seated well, first or second come playoff time. And uh, I, I think they have a chance. Obviously, it's all about the health. But I think they got a chance to make a Super Bowl run myself. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Well, so you're we're a smart man occasionally. Guys, boys. And you're agreeing with uh, last year's champion, which is me, by the way. So, yes, 11-5. and five. Uh, I, I didn't notice. All right. <laughs> well, Fred, we got it all, uh, we got, got it all down. And uh, appreciate you joining us. Come back next week, and we'll talk about how you did in your fantasy football and uh, what's up for week two. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me. We'll see you next week. All Thanks, right. Fred. Go Birds. Thanks, Fred. Hey, Chad, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. And continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room. That's right, PPCC one one eight Razroom on Facebook. There you go. Hey Chet, you know what? We cut Fred off, and I thought as soon as we let him go, I made a mistake. We did not give a plug to FredandButter dot com, where Fred does all of his updates and uh, and all that on fantasy football and uh, and all Philly sports. So, well, Fred we're doing it right com. now. Check it out. He's not on the line yet, but we're doing it. Fredandbutter.com. He's going to update that thing every week with his fantasy picks and uh, include some other nice stuff. He did the, the countdown over the last two months for you know players wearing certain numbers to tomorrow's opening day, opening night, uh, the Packers and Bears, I guess, opening the season. So that was kind of cool. And, uh, yeah, check it out, Fredandbutter.com. There you go, Fred. All right. Parting shot tonight, Mr. Chestill. I do have a parting shot, Bill, and it's a little bit of an, an odd one this week. I know a couple of our listeners are very critical of Philadelphia's terrestrial sports talk radio choices, and that's their prerogative. But i got to tell you, last Thursday's Mike Missinelli show on 97.5 was a great four hours of entertainment because he had Charles Barkley on with him the entire show. Sir Charles gave his views on Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. He told some terrific stories about Bill Russell Moses Malone and Mike Tyson. It was all great stuff. And he also talked uh, near the top of the program about dieting. Charles admitting that his weight ballooned to 350 pounds last year. He said he has lost 31 pounds just since the NBA season ended in June, which is pretty good. And he wants to lose another 50-plus. Here is Charles on 97.5 last week talking about weight. When I looked at myself on television sometimes, I'm like, man, you look awful. You know, people say the camera, TV puts 10 pounds on you. I must have had like 10 cameras on me <laughs> at a time. So I've been going at it hard every single day. No bread. I try to drink only like four days a week. Uh, I, I try to only drink four days a week. And instead of having 10, I got it down to three or See, four. you're not drinking. you got to lose, lose weight. I'd rather quick. die than not drink. I'd rather <laughs> no, die yeah. than not drink. Like, what the hell are we here for? We're not going to have some fun. 
<laughs> I'm on the Charles Barkley diet plan, by the way, Bill. <laughs> oh, very good. Hey, Chet, uh, speaking of sports radio, uh, there was a little hubbub about that Donovan McNabb now going to be on Philly Sports Radio on Mondays. Uh, what's your take on that? Yeah, he's going to be on 97.5 every Monday talking with the guys on there. A lot of people hate Donovan or just strongly dislike him just because, you know, he's, he's, he's a tough guy to love. And we've talked about this before. He just never really, you know, hit it off with fans or at least in the fans' mind. Uh, but I think the guy does know his football. I mean, he was in the league for a long time, certainly. He's still the Eagles' greatest franchise quarterback ever. So give the guy a break. Give him a chance. Let him analyze the Eagles. And, he's hey, he's already betting them to win the Super Bowl. So give Donovan a chance. Don't be so critical of the guy. Well, it will be interesting to see because he's not going to get a chance to be fair because if he criticizes them, he's criticizing them. And if he talks too good about him, he's on a bandwagon. So I think <laughs> yeah. Donovan, uh, you know, guy, guy trying to make a buck, and uh, but it's uh, I think he's in a no-win situation in Philly where there's such a love-hate relationship. It'll get people talking though, that's for sure. Uh, just a couple other that's quick right. things before we go, Bill. Ryan Bates making the Bills. He's I guess the backup left tackle. So good for Ryan Bates. We had him on our show a couple of years ago. So. We're rooting for him up in Buffalo. And congrats again to Bobby Jones going into the Basketball Hall of Fame this Friday. Way to go, Bobby Jones, one of the greatest six men and uh, greatest, uh, not six men, one of the greatest defenders of all time. Way to go, Bobby. Yep, I I was going to mention that as well as I was going to mention a non-Philly Justin Verlander throwing his third no-hitter, putting him in some rare air in baseball. Yeah, very impressive. And, uh, Got a nice-looking wife, too. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that yeah. out there. All right. <laughs> Wrap and it up. We'll get to the Kate Be- and we'll get to Kate Beckinsale next week because we don't have time for her right now. <laughs> next <And> week. We- <laughs> We've reached the top of the hour. Let's thank tonight's special guest, Merle Reese, Ray Ginninger, Fred Hugo, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Thurland's LuxuryAge.com, PPCC 118 Lazarus, and Dave Lavoy of Allstate Insurance and Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, September 11th to 7 p.m. You can listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, where you can find our podcasts on iTunes, TuneIn, and Spotify. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Go Birds! E-S-E-L-E-S-E-L!